Bibles with me this morning to Romans 10. You know, we have been, uh, for a number of weeks now, we've been on the subject of the basics of faith. Uh, You know, when we were going to Ramah, we were very blessed to sit under the, the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. We weren't just taught out of a book, but we, we uh, received the blessing of, of him sharing things that he had learned while he was in the ministry. He, was, he would share uh, experiences that he had gone through. And um, I want to share one of these this morning, a couple of them, but uh, we're going to start with this. It's an experience that he had, and it, it happened it happened in different meetings, different churches, but you know he would he shared this several times while we were going going to school. And uh, the way he would talk about it, this was a common thing. It wasn't just one church and one person. This was this was a common thing that he came up against when he traveled and ministered. Um, someone would come up to him and say, Brother Hagen, you know, he was, he, in in listening to him, he would have uh, two services, one in the morning and one in the evening, and he would teach on, on faith. In the morning in particular, he would teach on faith, and then once a week, uh, you know, men would be working, so they couldn't come for the morning service, and he would want he would want to to catch them up with what he had been teaching. So once a week in the evening services, he would teach just faith, not pray for the sick, not do anything, just teach on faith. <clears throat> and uh, invariably, there would be somebody come up with him, come up to him and and, and say, Brother Hagen. I have all the faith in the world, so I don't understand why this isn't working for me. Now, this, is, this person was sincere. They were honest. They were, you know. And he would tell them, well, that's your problem. You've got all the faith, but you have to release it for it to work for you. Let me say that again. You've got all the faith, but you have to release it. You have to release it for it to work for you. I mean, that's so simple. You, you go, that's it. So this morning we're gonna we're going to we're still studying on faith, but we're gonna we're gonna look, I don't know, for the next couple of weeks on how to turn your faith loose. <coughs> Um, people can have some real strange thoughts thoughts about faith. And uh, they wonder why their faith isn't working for them. Um, Let me, this isn't part of my notes, but I just now thought of this. I'm going to share this with you. Don't get up and run around and say, well, Pastor Ames said this and this and this, and, and I've been doing that, and it's not working. 
You know what the problem is? Huh? Just what she said. If you're acting on what I said, it's not going to work. You have to see it in the scriptures for yourself. This is what the Lord said, not what Pastor Ames said. And bless, bless her heart, not even what my dear wife says. I mean, as much as she's got going for her, but still... Okay? Um, so, people can have some strange thoughts about faith, but, and then they wonder why it's not working for them. Let's, let's see if, if, you know, in what we're talking about, let's see if maybe you have some of those strange notions about faith. And if you do, then you can make the necessary change, changes, and you don't, you, you don't have to tell anybody that you had those strange thoughts. Those stra those stra Just look straight ahead and say, glory to God, yes, amen, pastor. You see where you need to make some changes? Do. Just don't tell anybody you, you, you used to think that squirrely way. <laughs> Romans 10.10. 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Brother, hey, Brother uh, Yandian, Pastor Yandian, when we were going to school in, in Tulsa, uh, he was our pastor. And I remember one day he was teaching, teaching on faith, and he he read this in where it says, unto, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto. Instead of saying unto, he said resulting in, or leading to. And I... You know, it was, it was something new. I'd never heard it that way before. And I, I got to thinking about what he's saying. Believes resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made resulting in salvation. And I thought, glory to God. I don't know where he got that, but that is really... He was, he was known for his Greek. He could get more stuff out of one word. We'd always walk out of the church going, Whoosh. you know, I don't know how he got all of that out of one verse, but it was good. So the New Testament speaks about three kinds of confession. Um, you know, when, when uh, <clears throat> we first started getting a hold of the faith message, Confession, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with faith. Um, back at the turn of the century, 1902, there was, a, there was a, a Bible school up in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, I never knew 
what denomination it was, but it was a Bible school, and the students were hungry. And uh, they, were, they were going through the book of Acts, and to go through the book of Acts with a hungry person can be dangerous. They started going, what is this tongue stuff? And the teacher, the instructor, said, I don't know. Just go in there and pray about it. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on that, that school. And they all got, I think almost all of them or all of them got filled with the Spirit and began speaking in tongues. I mean, that spread across the United States, it jumped, jumped the pond and hit Europe and just went everywhere. And one of our instructors, he was old enough that uh, he would, he would uh, go to churches and preach. You know, he would go to churches that did not, uh, they had not experienced the Pentecostal experience. And uh, they would, he, I remember Doc Horton, uh, um, Harrison, Buddy Harrison, his grandfather, they tarred and feathered him and ran him out of town on a, on a, on a, on a railroad track. You know, if you if you if a person gets tarred and feathered, they usually die from from the ex, the exposure of the anyway. Uh, but didn't kill him. But you know, they would share things that when people heard these guys, this person is coming and they're going to be teaching on tongues. There was a there was usually a violent response. All you got to do is crack the book of Acts. It comes out in Isaiah too. Then when uh, the charismatic movement, you know, the, at the closing of that, the word of faith really became came strong. After the charismatic movement. And uh, they were death on confession. Pentecostal people were violent about confession. Now, think about what's going on. When tongues started to be preached, what did the devil try to shut down? Tongues. When the word of faith came along, they were, they were pretty strong against the faith message but then when they started talking about confession, think about it. They were violently opposed to confession. And yet, you've got to confess to be born again. There's no way to get... You cannot get saved apart from confession. And the thing that really galled me, um, the, the, the denominational leadership 
let it get out. You know, this this confession stuff is not right. And so everybody picked up the same mantra and started persecuting people that were teaching confession. What does this say? If this says confession is right and people are, are just because they're in denominational leadership and they are influencing the people under them to shut it down, that's not right. And not only is it not right, it's, it's blaspheming the word. I'm off on one of Lydia's rabbit trails, so let's get back to this. There's three, three, there's four, four uh, kinds of confessions that are spoken of, but we're going to leave off one because it's no longer applicable. It was John the Baptist came, and the people would come to him confessing. The Jews would come to him at the Jordan to be baptized. Well, that's that was before Jesus, okay? Jesus has come, died, and now we have, we have moved on from that one to the confessions anyway. So the first confession is the lordship of Jesus. <clears throat> Second, the believer's confession of his sins. We'll get to that, and I'll, I'll explain that one in just a minute. And number three, uh, the confession of faith in the Word, in Christ, and, and in, the, in God the Father. Look with me in John chapter 16. Jesus made a very important statement here in John 16, showing that the sinner... It shows here the, the relationship of the Holy Spirit and the sinner. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction. Okay? And he, he brings the Holy Spirit brings conviction for just one sin. You know, you can com you can commit I mean, there's so many sins, it's just not even funny. But he doesn't bring conviction for any of those. There's just one sin that he comes bringing conviction. And they, it says, they believe not on me. That's the only, only sin that he brings. Nevertheless, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is also to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, this is the New King James, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He goes back and he, he begins to elaborate of sin because they do not believe in me. You know, Hitler 
uh, Hitler, Stalin, Lenin, Pol Pot, have committed some of the most horrendous atrocities that, that our world has ever seen. But that's not what got them in hell. If they're not born again, that's what did it. He says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You know how, this is, this is a, a very common thing. Very often, we people insist that a sinner confess all his sins that he's ever committed to get saved. But actually, you know, uh, he couldn't confess all of his sins. You, you don't remember everything. And besides that, you know, I, I would venture to say, I don't want to show of hands or feet. Um, if, if I could take an honest polling among you, there are things that you have done that were worse in your thinking, worse than other things you've done. And these you remember and those, those you probably, eh, they don't stand out to you. Now you may wake up in the middle of the night remembering some of those things. You understand? So most people don't remember all the sins that they've ever committed. There's just no way. <clears throat> no, the, 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 uh, the principal confession the sinner makes is the lordship of Jesus. Second, second confession that's mentioned in the New Testament is the believer's confession of his sins when he's out of fellowship. Uh, Tony Cook called me the other day and we were talking about some things and uh, I pulled over into a parking lot just I wanted to, to hear what he had to say and uh, I, I told him I said you know when I was growing up I always looked at 1 John 1 9 as uh, a maintenance scripture you understand what maintenance is? When you buy a car, you have to keep up the maintenance on it for it to continue to run right. If you don't take care of the maintenance, you have problems. You have to maintain your walk with the Lord because I'm, I know you're all saints and I know you're, you're, you're number one on God's list. But, you know, once in a while... My wife woke me, I was walking out of the house and she says, what's the matter? Did I do something wrong? What, did I say something? What's the matter? And I told her, I said, I, just leave me alone. I'm irritable because I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> and it showed on my face. She thought, well, I must have done something wrong. That ever happened to you? No. No. It happened to her. Whoa, you got to go home with her now. <laughs> but you know, when you're, when you're in an irritable state, 
it, it's easy for you to do something that you know you shouldn't have done, and uh, then you have to come back like he's going to have yeah, to do, yeah. <laughs> and repent. He's got to repent twice to her and to the Lord. <laughs> so, James, now listen, listen. I want you to listen closely to what I, what I say about this one. James 5.16, it says... Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, listen to me. I want you to put everything down and look up here at me. I want you to get this. Confess your faults, and if you, that's the King James. Other translations, what does the New King James say? See, right there. That's, that's the word, right there. Confess your trespasses. Others come out and say sin. So he's saying here, confess your sins one to another. We were there at uh, Dr. Jacobs, and Dr. Jacobs um, invited... Uh, a, a group of ministers over to his house to to eat supper. So we were we were sitting at the table, and uh, I was listening to a conversation that was going on across our table. And this one guy was saying, <clears throat> uh, this pastor and one of his associates went to. Uh, somewhere and they were the ministers were standing around you know and they were they were kind of confessing to one another their sins and uh, you know and, and he he got caught up in it not using a lot of uh, good judgment they were talking about you know their their lusts and their their temper and their this and their that you know and um, and he says well you know, I, I have a problem uh, at looking at men. This was a male pastor. And his confession was, you know, he wanted them, you know, to pray for him. And, and, and they were all, you know, kind of talking about the sins that they were, they were all confessing. And he spoke up and he says, yeah, I've, I've got a problem uh, of looking at other men. It went dead silent like that. And they started backing away. Instead of saying, brother, I understand. I'll pray for you. They were backing away. Leper. What I'm getting to is this. And, and I tell you, when I heard that, and, and even the people that were sitting at the table saying, you know, when, when they should have been saying, brother, I'll pray with you. I'll stand with you against that. That's a spirit. I'll stand with you, brother. Instead of doing that, they're backing away like lightning is going to come down any second now. What I'm saying is this. It says confess to one, one to another. 
But you know, I have been at this long enough that I know if I confess to anybody besides my wife, everybody in town will know it by, by 12.30. You know, I got to give you a little time to get out of here. You understand what I'm saying? And if you've walked with the Lord any, any amount of time, you know, I, or there was one person I used to call, I told Lydia, I said, don't say anything to this person. Their middle name is AT&T. Now, what's, what's another word above viral? <laughs> you know, if you don't want anybody to know about it, you don't. I can take it to the Lord. I can confess it to him, and I know nobody's going to know unless they bug the room. You understand what I'm saying to you? You know, if, if our, our heart's desire is to put good things in you, put the word in you, put common sense into you, put, you know, if you've been with us any length of time, you know that's the truth. I'm not going to tell you to do something that's going to cause you to have a, oh. So, he says, confess your faults one to another. I would have to know the person that I confess to that I have spent time with them. I know their reputation. I know they are trustworthy or not. You following what I'm saying? What he's saying is right. The body should be taking care of the body. And for us to not be faithful, to be trustworthy, it's a shame on us. I'll, you know, I understand, brother. Just, I'll just I'll pray for him. I'll, I'll get some ladies together and we'll pray. Bull. Because I know how that works. Somebody will pick up the phone. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, oh, you know what? That, that reminds me. We need to pray for them. No, I don't say, I didn't say that you did that here. I'm just saying be careful who you talk to. 1 John 1 First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he, God, you understand? He is faithful and, and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, to be in that place of unrighteousness is, is, for a believer, is terrible. This is, this is what I was talking about. This is, the, this is the maintenance scripture. I told that to Tony Cook, and he goes, huh, I never looked at it like that. The third kind of confession is confessing faith in the Word in Christ and God the Father. Now, that, that uh, includes 
who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. Okay? So that, that's kind of a... Uh, just another division of the Word in Christ and God. Let's go over to Matthew 3. Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 5. Uh, the, these people are Jews. They are coming to John the Baptist at the Jordan to be baptized. And it says, all Judea and all the region around about Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. They are confessing their sins. They're all confessing their sins. Everybody's confessing. So we're all in the same boat. Okay? And this, this pas passage here is a picture of God's covenant people, the Jews, confessing their sins and they're being baptized by John. The baptizing is the washing away of the sin. Okay? This is not... This is not Christian baptism like we, we do here. This is pre-Christianity because Jesus has not yet died and been risen. Also, uh, John didn't baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Believers in John's day were Jews and they were all under the law. Okay? New the New Covenant believers, on the other hand, are, are spoken of in uh, Acts 19 and verse 18. And it says, many, you go back and read it in context and you'll see. And, and many who had believed, had believed, in other words, they had gotten saved, came confessing and telling their deeds. They, they have uh, they've been saved, and they have gone and gotten their um, satanic arts, their chant, the, the, what, do you, what would you call it, the books that are full of all the chants, the the curses and the, you know, that kind of junk. They bring it all together and they're burning this stuff. And they're confessing. That's what I used to do. I used to spend money on that stuff and now I'm born again. Okay? All right, let's go on. These confessions, these or these Christians, uh, they, they had sinned it doesn't say what they were confessing, but it's, it's evident that they were confessing the magical arts and things that they had practiced. They're making a confession. I, I used to do that, but I'm no longer under, his, under Satan's jurisdiction. Jesus is my Lord. He's my master. 
and they're burning, burning those, those things. You know, I was, when I was in Spain, we had a guy in, in the hospital that worked in the hospital. He worked in the lab. <clears throat> and uh, he got saved, and he was having kind of a hard time making a break. He brought Buddha. He had a, a statue that he, he would worship at home. Um, and he, he came with the Buddha and the, all the junk, the incense and all the stuff that they would, he would burn. They burned all of the incense. They burned everything. They tried to burn Buddha, and Buddha wouldn't burn. Now listen, this is serious. Buddha, they could not get Buddha to burn. They squirted uh, lighter fluid all over it. They burned it, the, and it wouldn't burn. They finally took the name of Jesus and broke that over it, and it, then it started to burn. You see, we, we make light of some of these things, like, yeah, you know, just... But there's, there are demonic powers, and uh, anyway... Oh, I remember the other, other thing. Once it started to burn... There was a scream that came out of Buddha as Buddha was burning. That particular one. Okay, number three. The third kind of confession is confessing faith in the Word, Word of Christ, the Word of the Word of the Lord, and God the Father. In, Jer in Matthew three, <clears throat> starting in verse five. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region. <clears throat> hmm? Okay, my, my mistake. <clears throat> but anyway, um, Matthew 11. No, I don't know. Look, look over there. <clears throat> Jesus is saying that if men will confess me, I will confess them before my Father. If they do not confess me, I will not confess them before my Father. <clears throat> That's, I was having problems with my computer yesterday and I lost a bunch of what I had put down. Now I had to go back and put it back again. So, that's, that's the scripture. It's in Matthew. I just don't remember what chapter. I think it's 11. Anyway, this picture is, this passage is a picture of God's covenant people. Um, I was pretty close. 1032. <clears throat> Therefore, whoever confess, uh, confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever, <clears throat> that shows his, his uh, 
his ministry as high priest for us, as representative of us. Verse 33, but who, whoever denies me, you know, you go and you, can, you lead, try to lead somebody to the Lord and they turn you down. They don't want anything to do with this. He says, whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. Bad deal. Um, oh, uh, back back in uh, Acts where we were just just looking, these people were not confessing. There's they weren't they weren't confessing these things in order to get saved. They were already saved, and now now it's easier for them to confess these practices. They're, they're uh, being manipulated by these things. <clears throat> when we first came to Dodge, uh, there was a lady in our church that had gotten saved, and she wanted her husband to get saved. T.L. Osborne. How many of you? How many have ever heard of T.L. Osborne? Good. He uh, he was a pioneer uh, evangelist overseas. He he. Uh, if you ever get one of his books, they usually have pictures of his crusades on the back of the book or in the book, and they use use a wide a wide-angle lens, and they'll take a wide-angle picture here, they come over here, take another picture, and another picture over here. I mean, that's how many people showed up at his meetings. He would have miracles. People were getting <coughs> delivered. And he told, he, he pulled uh, Charles Capps aside one day, and he was talking to him. He says, Brother Capps, don't ever stop using illustrations in your books. They are the window to the soul. Okay? Some of these, some of these examples that we share uh, will help you when you come across something like this. Anyway, this woman wanted her husband to get saved, and she would tell him that uh, he had to give up this and that, and, and he had to confess all of his sins to be able to get saved. And as far, as far as I remember, he never did get saved, and I think he's gone, he passed away. You know, some people try to give up things. Now listen real close. <clears throat> some people try to give up things before they come to the Lord because they think they have to get cleaned up before they can get born again. They think they have to get cleaned up before they can come to the Lord. And I've, I've always told them, I said, no, no, you can't, get, you can't clean up yourself. You need to come to the Lord. He'll clean you up, you know. He'll clean you up after you get saved. After you get saved. 
Some, some will they'll try to stop things, stop some of their bad habits, and some will even stop for several weeks, but then they, you know, they slide back into it, and they, they go back into those old habits, and they think, well, I, I, I can't get saved. I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. Well, you're right. You're, you're not good enough. But you come to the Lord, He'll make you good enough. That's, that's the whole point. God, God never says give up this or that. Listen, He never says give up this or that to get saved. I remember hearing, hearing this one uh, illustration. This girl loved to dance. She just loved to dance. And she didn't want to she didn't want to have to stop dancing to get saved. And this pastor told her he says, "Well, you don't have to stop dancing to get saved." No. So she got saved. And then she came back to him and says, "You didn't tell me he would take the want to to get want to to he took the want to to dance, to, took it out of me. He changes you when you get born again. But he never sold you to you got to stop this and that to get saved. That's works. Romans uh, 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, this is not a mental thing. You don't just sit there with your mouth closed and mentally th- Go through it in your mind. This is an active involvement. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is the only real confession that a sinner makes for, for, his, for his guilt. Uh, for he, you know, I mean, he's guilty of all kinds of things. But the only thing he's guilty of inside of God is rejecting Jesus as his Lord. God, now listen, God demands the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. You know, if a sinner realized what the Lord is capable of doing for him, they would confess that in a second. Let's read that one more time. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I was raised with, with, uh, with this notion when I was growing up that People had to come to the altar. You know, if you've ever been into one of these, some of these older churches, they have have this thing padded, usually a padded thing, across the front of the church, where people come and they kneel down on the on the on the bench part and they, you know, and pray. That's what I was used to seeing. People come come to the altar. And they confess all of their sins, and they would get saved. 
Now, um, you know, uh, where, where did I get this idea? Because it's not in this verse. Hello? It doesn't say anything in here about confessing any sin. This, this, that thing that was in my head from, from what I had been seeing, it's not in there. No, you see, this is something that men added to the scripture. Listen, to help out God. Did you hear me? You know, God really needs your help. To be real honest, a great many churches are bound by the law or, or legalism. And they think that, that you have to do something to get saved. You know what that's called? You be quiet. <laughs> if you didn't hear what she said, she said works. <laughs> exactly what it is. You're, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. I can't save myself, and neither can you. Neither can anybody. It's a, it's a God thing. He does all of it. The only thing a sinner has to do is confess the Lordship of Jesus. Notice this phrase. Um, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth. I came across that one time... I was praying with a guy, and, and I said, okay, you just follow me, and I'll, I'll pray, and you can, you can pray with me. I started praying, and I didn't hear anything. I looked up at him, and he's got his eyes closed, and he's, I said, no, 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 you got to say it out loud. He didn't like that, but he did. Aha, here's that verse that I was looking for. Romans, Matthew 10, 32 and 34. Okay, so confession is not only for our sake, but it's for the sake of the world, those people around us, and it's for the devil's sake to let him know you're no longer welcome. You're not going to dominate me anymore. Jesus is Lord. Look over with me at, in Psalms uh, 137. Psalms 137. <clears throat> Starting in the first verse. By, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, sat down. Yea, we wept. These, uh, the Jews had been taken captive by the Babylonians and they had been taken away out of Israel to Babylon. 
he says in verse 2, We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For those who carried us away captive ask us, ask of us a song. They weren't beating them or anything. They just wanted to hear them sing a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us a song of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This is a picture of Israel being carried away into captivity. They had gotten into sin and had not made it right. The prophets had come and spoken to them. They still didn't get it right. And, and the enemy came and took them away. That's a picture of a believer when, they break, when their fellowship is broken. Faith has no song when fellowship is broken. 1 John 1, starting in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, <clears throat> that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Fellowship with Him and one another. This is the message which we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light. Light meaning development, progress. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. Notice here how many times the word fellowship is mentioned in just these few verses. Four times. You know, these, these words are not written to the sinner. You know, he talked about walking in the light if I tell, told them back at the back, shut all the lights off. I did that one time. I took a piece of black, black plastic, covered that, covered that door, and to, to use this as an illustration. And one guy sitting over here where Scott is, it was dark in here just for, just for a little bit, and he flipped on the light. You know, if, if they turned off all the lights and everything was blocked out, the light was blocked out, you'd have a hard time bumping your way through the seats and other people trying to get to the door. That's what he's saying to us. When we're not walking in the light, in the light of the Word, what the Word says, we have, we have broken fellowship. And we don't know where we're going. We don't know who is... is Got their hand in our back pocket. 
not in here, but I mean, you, you, t you get the idea. The enemy is free to run rampant just like a cat in the dark. The cat can see, I can't. Okay. These words are written not to the, not to the sinner. They're written to the believers for two reasons. First is a warning against broken fellowship. Secondly, to show you how to get back into fellowship. Notice I used the word fellowship. I didn't use the word relationship. My relationship with the Lord stays, but if my fellowship is broken, we're not, we're not walking together. God, God says this, we are lying if we say we have fellowship with him, and, but we're still walking in darkness. You know, when, whenever, let me, let me share this with you. When, when you sin, you know it. Nobody needs to come and tell you. You know it. You've got a monitor on the inside of you that lets you know you've done something wrong. Right? If we know it, then we shouldn't try to find, or we should, we shouldn't try to find someone with, uh, we shouldn't be, we, sh we shouldn't try to find something, let me put it this way, to condemn ourselves with. If you don't know that you've sinned, hello, if you don't know you've sinned, don't go looking. If you did, the, the Holy Spirit's there saying, hey, you missed it. And you know, there's, if, we, if we miss a mark, whatever way little whatever don't wait take care of it right then don't say well I'll take care of it when I get home no no deal with it right now because between now and the time you get home enough said um When you missed it, and you know, you know, that monitor on the inside saying, bud, you missed it. And you stop, you, you say, you, you know, I, I need to deal with this right now. And you pray, you repent, you say, Father, I did this and that. I, I, I ask you to forgive me. Hello? When you come before him like that and you, you repent and you ask him to forgive you, right then it's done. It's not like, 
some emails, you know, it takes a little while for it to get there. No, right then, right then it's done. Okay, it's done? Okay, it's done. Now you go back on, you go on, you try to go back to work. And if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know the word that says it's done, you would swear, understand the way I use that word, you would say, I missed, I missed it. There's something I need to repent of. I, I didn't get it all. Because it's still, that, that, that sense of, hey, you missed it, dummy, is still there. Now what are you going to do? And I mean, the sensation of it is just as real or stronger now than it was like, like it was before I repented. And now it's still there. What's, the go what's going on? You're going to have to fight for your righteousness. You did your part. And the word says that when, you, when we come and we confess our sins, that he is faithful to forgive us right then and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. What, he's, what that sensation is trying to do is get you out of faith and to, to get your mouth to moving so you give him place. You understand? You've done what you're supposed to do, and now he's still trying to press in. You're just going to have to stand your ground and talk to him and say, listen, dummy, I did this. This is what I did right here. 1 John 1, 9. I confess my sins, and it says he's faithful. God's faithful. And he forgave me. Not only did he forgive me, he cleansed me of all unrighteousness. So you just take a, take a hike. And if he doesn't leave right then, just keep talking to him like he's a two-year-old. You know, some two-year-olds, they don't, we'll not, go, we'll not go there, so. Even some of you that have children, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, so the moment you confess it, he forgives us right then. We need to, uh, Anyway. Isaiah 43, 25. You need to have this marked in your Bible. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For, now, here's the, here's the next four words. For my own sake. And I will remember your I will not, will not, and I will not remember your sins. He says, for my own sake. You know, you see your children uh, dirty. My wife would snatch Jonathan up. She says, come on, let's go in here in the bathroom. I'll clean you up. She didn't like to see him dirty. It's a reflection on her. 
This is my child. I no, Mm-mm. not my kid. You know, sometimes I, I there's there's a couple of children. I see them, and their hair is a mess. It hadn't been washed in several days. And I think, what is the matter with that woman? And then there's others. Boy, that little kid. Looks like he fell out of a GQ magazine. You know. He says here, he, he, he forgets your sins. He forgives and forgets. Why are you remembering them? To bring that up to him is, is in bad taste. Brother Hagen would, you know, I told you at the beginning of the message that Brother Hagen would, would uh, share things that he had learned from, from meetings. And I came across this the other day and I thought, oh my goodness, that fits so good. I'm going to read this to you. Once while I was preaching in Dallas, uh, a man in the church said to me, we men <clears throat> have an early morning prayer meeting before we go to work each day. One man has been coming five days a week for six months and has been, been praying, but he is still unsaved. Okay, you got the picture? For him to come that much every, every, every day, five days a week, and he's still not born again, but he wants to be. Okay, now that's the picture. I think you could help him. I was introduced to the man during, during a special Saturday, Saturday night teaching class. And the moment I looked at him, I knew exactly what was wrong. During the testimony service, I said to him, stand up and testify and confess that you're saved. He was startled. He looked around, stammered, stuttered a little, and finally said, well, I'm not saved yet. I said, <clears throat> you've got your Bible there in your hand, haven't you? He opened it to Romans 10, 9, and 10. And read aloud. He said, if thou, shalt, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I asked him to re repeat that last phrase. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's with the mouth that confession is made. Now, stand and confess that you're saved. Well, well, he said, I, I don't feel I'm saved. Certainly not, he said. I said, Brother Hagin said. You can't feel something you don't have, and you can't have it until you confess it. This man said, I don't much believe I want to do that, he answered. Brother Hagin said, I understand that you, you have been, been coming to this church and praying for six months. This man said, I sure have, he said. I've wept and repented for six months. I 
I said, Brother Hagin said, all you lack is to stand on this verse. Stand up and confess that. He said, well, I do believe these verses that Jesus died for my sins and that he was raised from the dead. God raised him up for my justification. So I just take him as my Savior and confess him as my Lord. Then he quickly sat down. After a few minutes, he began to glow. <laughs> and suddenly he began shouting. He told me later, when I confessed that, something happened inside of me. Brother Hagin said, yes, eternal life was imparted to your spirit. With the mouth, confession is made. And that, my brother and sister, is the doorway into the rest of Christianity. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you don't ever confess again. I confess now that I am saved. I confess now Jesus is my Lord. I confess that I have the faith of God in me that overcomes the world. I confess that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you go on and on. You build on the salvation that you have. But I only need to confess once to be born again. Now, if, I'm, if I sin, I go back over to 1 John 1, 9. I don't get born again again. When I was in college, ooh, stand up. When I was in college, there was one of the girls that lived down in Arkansas, and uh, I, think it was, I think she lived in Fayetteville, and they were going to have a, uh, a revival. You know, some churches had revivals twice a year. They'd have a guest speaker come in, and this guy that uh, they were having as a guest speaker, he was an up-and-coming uh, evangelist. He was, he was a ladder climber in the denomination. And they were just so happy that he was going to be there. So I sat, sat there in, the, in this Pentecostal service. Now you got to remember, I was Baptist, down to the underwear. And so I'm, I'm still getting used to some of this stuff. And uh, he gave an altar call for people that need to be born again. Now we went, we packed a car, and we drove from Texas to Arkansas. And there were, uh, I guess, four guys and a couple of girls in there. And uh, these guys lived on the dorm, in the, on the floor of uh, the dorm that I was in. And I've I'm got my head bowed, and, and he's calling for people to come to the altar to get born again. And I, I stopped, and I looked up, and I see these guys that came with me. They're studying for the ministry. And I see them down at the altar praying to get born again. And I thought, what? And they're studying for the ministry, and now here they are getting born again? No, they had sinned, and they, their denomination taught that once you sin, you've got to get born again again. Instead of going to 1 John 1, 9, 
and cleaning it up there, they were down in the altar asking the Lord to come and save them. Again. So if you miss it, you know how to take care of it. If you're not born again, you can be. Amen? Don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? You know, if you're, if you're here this morning and you, you would tell me, I honestly don't know if I'm born again. You can know before you walk out of here today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you're not sure where you'll spend eternity, you say, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I can give you a better deal than a hope. I can give you a bona fide guarantee where you'll spend eternity. If you've never been born again and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, slip up your hand. We want to pray for you. We don't want you to... to Leave here and not know where you're going. Is there anyone? Did you slip up your hand? And, and the thing about it is we have, we have a, uh, this is a limited time offer. Jesus is coming back really soon. And this, will, this offer will no longer be valid. Today, it's free. You can walk out of here born again, a new creature, clothed in the robes of righteousness. And all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your life, be your Lord. Is there anyone you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Okay, I see that hand. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Where, where, are, where are our altar workers? Those the people that raised your hand, would you, would you mind coming up here? We want to pray with you. Okay. Tell you what, let's do it like this. I'll, I'll lead you in prayer and you follow me. And don't, don't, uh, don't just parrot. Let it come out of your heart because that's something that you want. Father, I come before you and I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I see in your word that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I can be saved. Father, right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I thank you, Lord for coming into my life right now. I am now born again. Father, I thank you. You are now my Father, and I give glory to you. Hallelujah. Now, if you meant that, 
Jesus has come in to be your Lord and Savior. Um, see this lady right here? Uh, after the service, I want you to come up and talk to her, and she'll give you some, some uh, books that will explain what you just did and uh, a book that tells you what, what's the next step. Okay? It's a little blonde-headed lady right up here with a nice, nice tan sweater. Come and talk to her, and she'll give them to you. But don't just stop and say, well, that, it's it, I'm done. No, you just take, you just took in the, taken the first step. Now you get to start growing in what you have. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you this morning for the people that have come and made Jesus Lord of their lives. We give you praise for this. And we thank you that now that they're born again, they can start growing and developing in the Christian walk. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that has come to live in them and is there to help. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, you're dismissed. Turn and greet someone around you and say, I'm so glad you're going to be in heaven. Thank <laughs> you.